morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, Policy Talks from uh, Williamson, Inc., our uh, local chamber of commerce here in Franklin, in Williamson County, I should say. And uh, I'm Dave Crouch. Our guests this morning are Dr. Ken Moore, the mayor of the, the city of Franklin, along with uh, Eric Stuckey, the city administrator. And we're looking forward this morning to uh, having a good discussion about all the things going on behind the scenes in Franklin. Uh, just want to thank our viewers on uh, WCTV. Uh, we appreciate uh, everyone joining us there on Comcast Channel 3 and the listeners on WAKM 950 radio. So, uh, Mr. Mayor, we uh, uh, I started to say uh, you recently were reelected, but it's been almost a year now to another term. And uh, uh, next month, it'll be another, a year since uh, I had an election. So, yeah. Thanks uh, for bringing that up. <laughs> time flies when you're having It's been a time. different first year this term versus all the other terms for sure. You, I want to find someone that says they anticipated uh, how our world would change if a, if a pandemic came along. But uh, a doctor should have uh, anticipated that and been prepared. Uh, did you see this coming? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wonder how I would have felt uh, pre-election if I had known all this was going to happen. Uh, it's been a very challenging time for uh, being an elected official, but also just uh, uh, for city operations and our staff and our citizens. And uh, But uh, we're going to make it through. We, we have a lot of positive things, I think, that are happening uh, as far as COVID-19 right now. Uh, we see a slight decrease every day recently uh, as far as the number of active cases. We're down to about a 350 range. Uh, we continue to see new cases, though, and the positive test rate uh, is dropping very slightly, but about 7.5% of the people tested uh, are testing positive. Um, so the we're not out of the woods, even though uh, Mayor Anderson lifted the mask mandate. Uh, I still see uh, lots of businesses requiring masks to enter. I see lots of people using masks, and I still recommend using a mask when you can't physically distance uh, and also washing your hands and uh, staying away from crowds. Um, well, common sense, I think, is... Uh would dictate a lot of a lot of those things as well as just uh being careful about where you go and uh i appreciate your trying to take care of us uh, as our uh our number one doctor in town so uh we uh we need that guidance um now how long have you been mayor uh now with this i, I uh stepped into the mayor role in January of 2011 when uh, Mayor Schroer resigned to become commissioner of Tennessee Department of Transportation. So uh, I've, this is my third elected term uh, as mayor, and um, I'm really blessed to be able to serve in that role and work with such a great city team. We have so many great employees and so smart, and of course, it's uh, such an honor to work with Eric Stuckey, who is uh, just such a great leader for the city team and does such a great job. And uh, I'm just sorry he messed up today and wore a tie. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, I sent him the message, you know, you just, that's you know, his fault that I found is that he didn't get the message about his tie today. We'll have to, we'll have to edit his picture here. Uh, I just trying to dress to impress. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we always are impressed with you guys. Uh, one more question about from the thirty thousand foot um, level here to the mayor, though, Mr. Mayor, what motivates you to continue to be mayor? What what is it when when you're a guy that you want to see Franklin different? Uh, how how do you want to see it different than it might have been if uh, you hadn't been mayor? Well, I really enjoy public service. You know, my career was uh, medicine before I 
came to Franklin and, you know, certainly that's service to people and taking care of people. And uh, I had a lot of experience uh, as far as uh, policy, particularly health policy. So whenever the opportunity came to be involved uh, here, uh, it was kind of a natural transition. It's, it's a lot like practicing medicine. You have to listen to people and uh, hear their concerns and uh, uh, try to figure out how to fix what they're talking about. Uh, I had a little different opportunity when I was practicing orthopedic surgery because we could put them to sleep and put a plate or <laughs> do something like that. And so uh, it's a little different, but uh, I have a much larger team of support now with uh, 700, almost 750 employees with the city of Franklin and a brilliant staff that I get to work with every day. It's just so much fun to, to hear the challenges that we have, uh, you know, the challenges of growth, the challenges of uh, uh, continuing to be a very popular place to live, uh, the challenges of keeping our services to the highest level, uh, the challenge to continue to be a strong financial uh, entity. Uh, and, you know, it's paying off because uh, we just were recognized as an all-American city by the National Civic League, which was a partnership that we did with Franklin Tomorrow to seek that honor. And uh, Money Magazine, uh, third time in a row, we're in the top 10 of best places to live in America in our category. Uh, then... Probably the one that means a lot to me is, uh, you know, we do a citizen survey every other year. And that survey, uh, we, we compare our results to over 600 other cities uh, that take the survey. And it, we were able to get two awards from that survey based on uh, what we're doing, civic engagement. And I, Eric can refresh my memory what the other category was. Citizen uh, um, feedback and education enrichment, and enrichment, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So uh, those are important awards because those are ones that our citizens are helping us get. Right. Eric Stuckey, longtime city administrator. Uh, how long? How long have you been with us now, Eric? I am in my twelfth year, so it'll be twelve years at the end of. Uh, 2020. Okay, so you've got some seniority over the mayor then. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Although he was part of who hired me. So he's been on the board longer than I've been here, but he's been mayor for just a little bit uh, short of that. That's, uh, let me ask you the same question I asked the mayor. What motivates you to uh, do your job? What, uh, what is it you want to see done you know, between now and the time you're no longer around? Well, uh, we, we have, as the mayor said, we have a great team. Uh, we have a, a, just a wonderful community. And, you know, in our business, we get to build a place that people call home, that they build their lives, they build their businesses. And I don't think there's, to me, there's not a much more exciting line of work and, and that you can be involved in because it has real impact in people's lives. And so we want to just keep building the best city that we can. And we want to be the best city in America. And uh, we think we're making progress towards that every day. And uh, we have a lot of great fundamentals that help us do that. Some of which the city de delivers directly, but so much of which is just what the community and businesses in our community bring to the table as well. So it is a partnership. It is a team. And uh, I, I get a lot out of doing that. So I, I, I plan on, on doing that uh, as long as they'll have me because uh, it is such a rewarding uh, place to work. And uh, I get to compare notes with my colleagues across the state and across the country. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it because of the, the, the work environment we have, the opportunities we have, and just the quality of life. Uh, you know, you get, you get to kind of live your work in this job. And uh, I, I get a lot out of that. And, and, uh, and I, I'm very uh, honored to have the opportunity. Well, it's a great town, and uh, we uh, appreciate the diligence that you all give to, to the job. And, uh, of course, we know the citizens will let you know if you don't. But uh, it's, uh, it's <laughs> That's a great one of the great things about local government. There's not a lot of mystery. We get feedback pretty regularly, and we have the opportunity 
to respond to it quickly. I mean, other levels of government can't say that. And uh, we are we're close to it and we know when we're getting it right. And we know when we need to address it. And hopefully we're, we're getting on, to, on the issues that we need to. Now, the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever your choice of uh, terms there, has changed our world this year. And I think uh, everybody's heard uh, about the ways it has changed our lives, but how has it affected the city as far as uh, our finances? Uh, what, what are you dealing with there behind the scenes, Eric, uh, Mr. Mayor? as far as uh, financial impacts and, and how you're actually having to deal with uh, uh, real world issues there? Well, we, um, we have been impacted, no doubt. Uh, we had to reduce our budget that we're operating under now about 10%. So that's about $18 million across our whole budget. And so that has been a challenge, but our team stepped up. We've not had to lay anybody off. Uh, and we've modified some of our services to en enhance the protection and safety for our team members, but also the community at large. Um, but we have seen the sales tax uh, not be hit quite as bad as we had had feared. So that's good. And, um, you know, we, we are hopeful that we'll, we'll see uh, continued uh, improvement. We're, we've been flat the last two months compared to a year ago or close to flat, which is really pretty good and right. better than we had expected. So, uh, you know, that, act, that return of activity has been encouraging. Um, we've moved a number of our operations and staff members that can work remotely are doing that on a rotating basis, although we're keeping City Hall open and active and available to our citizens as well. Um, and so uh, we, we've really had to adapt and we continue to adapt. And when we, when we approved the budget at the beginning of the fiscal year, which was July 1, uh, one thing we told everybody and told the board was, we're probably gonna be revisiting this a couple times throughout the year because this is gonna evolve and it may involve further cuts. It may involve some restoration uh, and we'll we'll have those conversations as we get a better picture because we had to make budget decisions when we really didn't have much of a complete uh, financial picture because we don't get sales tax revenues till a couple months after they're received and and so we were making best guesses and of course we were conservative. Uh, we have a strong financial base. We're AAA rated uh, by both Moody's and Standard and Poor's and gonna. Proud to maintain that, and and we were re, we retain a, a pretty high level of financial reserves because we are so dependent on sales tax uh, that can drop off quickly as a revenue source. Uh, we do have that safeguard, so that helped us maintain stability and services and weather this as it did with the recession back when I first got here in 0809 and and 2010. So. Uh, that that's a, a overview, um, but we continue to look at it every day and and uh, and and take the measures and and we'll be making some modifications to our budget. Hopefully, making a couple efforts to restore a few things as we move into the latter parts of the year. At least that's the trend. I think Eric made a good point when he came on board uh, uh, back uh, in the. 2008, 2009 era, you know, we had to cut our budget then during the recession and uh, cut it without uh, any layoffs or any loss of service. So uh, I, we had some practice, uh, but that's not the kind of practice you'd like to have. But I, I think that I would emphasize that uh, small businesses have really taken a pretty significant hit in our community and particularly uh, our hotels and our restaurants have uh, had huge challenges and I encourage our citizens to uh, uh, support our local businesses right now. You know, the majority of our businesses are not the Nissans and the Mars. Uh, the majority of them are small businesses. And so uh, that's what gives us uh, such a unique community is all the small businesses. And uh, so hope people will continue to support and, and we need to continue to be a safe city for people to visit. You know, uh, tourists spent, spend $1.3 million a day in Franklin and Williamson County. Hmm. We have, uh, uh, so I mean, that's, that saves each taxpayer about over $500. And so we want those tourists to return because those are good dollars that we don't have to provide uh, 
any services to other than just trying to keep them safe. So that's why it's really important. We know from uh, surveys that Ellie Chen tells us about that uh, travelers are looking for a place that is creating a safe environment for them to come. Uh, and so that's why it's con it continues to be important for us to do the right things as far as protecting each other uh, from the coronavirus and the, uh, you know, the things I've already talked about, mask, hand washings, physical distancing. What, what are you hearing about tourism and the, the numbers that we are now having uh, given the, the changes? Uh, I, I can't quote you the exact numbers. Eric's much better on remembering those numbers, but I do know that we've seen some, uh, you know, our hotel occupancy is in the 40% range. Uh, and it is inching up a little bit. Uh, I did uh, see where Nashville's is not going up uh, quite like they would like. And I think we're a little bit ahead of them. Uh, but, you know, we lost a significant number of, uh, of um, events and uh, conventions and things like that because everything's been canceled. Right. So we're, you know, it, it, it's also an opportunity now for us to to be a safe city for people to come to. And I know that the uh, uh, visitors team is uh, working very hard to attract some of those uh, uh, entities, uh, conventions to come back right now. So kind of an open opportunity for us. Right. Do we, um, Confederate monuments have been a uh, subject uh, on a lot of people's minds recently and Franklin's got several of those uh, if you consider the the battlefield uh, properties and, and, and the Carter House and things like that. What What's going on as far as uh, the reception there? Are we seeing the numbers change as a result of these uh, conversations or what, what do you see long term for uh, our historic uh, properties like that? Well, I, I think some of the work that has been done over the last couple years to acknowledge our Civil War history, it is our history, and, uh, and tell that story, but also work to tell more elements of the story. There's been the Fuller Story Initiative that's happened over the last year that uh, brings other history to the table as well, and especially as it relates to African Americans before, during, and after the Civil War. Uh, the uh, U.S. Colored Troops Soldier statue has uh, been funded by public uh, fundraising, you know, all private dollars and not city dollars in it, but individuals have, have reached into their own pockets to help fund that statue, which uh, will likely be unveiled this coming June, uh, on, on Juneteenth and June 2021. So, I mean, I think that story evolving and the initiative to restore and reclaim parts of the battlefield has always been about telling the American story of the Civil War. And that is not just a military history or a Confederate or a Union or federal story. It is a, a, an American story and it is not always a pleasant story. It was a harsh time and it uh, was, was difficult on our city, but our city uh, grew from it, restored its community character from it was part of our community character. And I think that is an important story to learn from. History can teach us so much and it's not just what happened, it's what you do about what happened. And uh, this community fought through some tough times and uh, all of our citizens are part of that story. And so I think, I think that is part of what we can tell that's maybe a little different than some of the other communities because uh, we've kind of taken a different path, which is it's not about win or lose or take down. It's about let's tell more of it and let's tell a more complete picture. And I, I think that will serve us well just from uh, a community standpoint, but also I think that is a more interesting story to visitors. Uh, and and that, that I think can be more sustainable from, from that standpoint as well. And we just did part telling this story after George Floyd's death, we've been telling this story for some time. When we uh, commemorated the 150th year of the uh, Battle of Franklin, uh, we told a, a, a more complete story. And 
you know, we've been having conversations for a long time uh, among ourselves. Can we do much better? Oh, absolutely. We can do better on telling the stories. Uh, but I think uh, we have some very rich history and we need to continue to explore it uh, in our community and share that with other people. As I understand it, the All-American City Award, part of the reason for Franklin getting that award is because Franklin was uh, proactive in uh, addressing the, what they call what we call the fuller story. And uh, am I right about is that an accurate? Yeah, that was there was kind of three key pillars, and that was one of the primary ones was to talk about that initiative and how that brought more of it to the story. And I'll share just a quick snippet. Uh, there, my international professional conference is going on right now. It's happening virtually. And uh, it's for international city county management. And actually, Lisa Clayton, our parks director, was in a breakout session and they were talking about monuments. And somebody not from the city of Franklin, not involved in out, said, I want to tell you about a city that's really done a great job on this. And that's Franklin, Tennessee. And they went and told this great story about what the fuller story is. And Lisa's sitting there going, We couldn't have said it better ourselves. And it's somebody else talking about you and how you've engaged and, and brought more. Uh, history to the table and how that can benefit the community. So um, that that uh, that made me really proud to hear that, that that other people are talking about it, not just locally, as a, as an example of how to address these issues in and maybe a more constructive way. Now, having said that, uh, you know we still do have protesters, and uh, you all dealt with that at the Boma meeting uh, the other night. Uh, was it Tuesday night, and uh, move forward a, a, an ordinance that uh, kind of, I wouldn't say controls how protesting is done, but at least gives it a more, uh, more, fra more framework to, uh, so that the city can address it maybe more appropriately. Tell us about that, uh, Mr. Mayor. Go ahead. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about ordinance uh, 2019-19, which is public gathering expression at events. And uh, this particular ordinance uh, def uh, defines that groups of 20 or more uh, should uh, work with the city as far as defining where they want to have their uh, protests. Uh, it sets out some rules as far as uh, amplification uh, it sets out um, uh, certain protections that we want to have to make sure that they can have their event. Uh, it also addresses uh, counter protests because, you know, many protests have other people that want to have the opposite. And so we want to uh, have those groups separated. It does not really have anything to do with the message they're delivering. That's a freedom of speech issue. Uh, but we're just trying to define the area and make sure that they can do it safely. Uh, it can protect, that we're protecting our citizens, we're protecting our businesses uh, downtown or wherever it may be. And also allow for those counter protests to uh, have their uh, counter protest in a safe fashion. Eric, uh, if this ordinance had been in place uh, during the recent uh uh, protests that have been uh, going on, what would have been different? How, how would it have been different? Actually, it wouldn't have been probably much different at all. Uh, this really just puts in written form or an ordinance form what we already do with 95% of the groups that, that have public expression events or demonstrations, whatever term you want to use. Um, we, they contact us, they say, hey, we want to do something on the square. Uh, this time, you know, Friday at a certain time or whatever day at a certain time, what do we need to know? And, and we just collect information about who they are, how many people they expect, uh, you know, are, are they just, what area do they want to, what public space do they want to use? And then we work with them to organize it and to provide for their safety, the safety of the public and anybody else who wants to participate. So in a lot of ways, it's putting down and writing what we already do. Um, and we, we kind of went to school. This actually, this discussion started in the wake of what was experienced in Murfreesboro with the uh, white supremacist uh, rally a few years ago. We, we kind of 
learned from what they experienced and they, they handled that very well. What were some of the things they did to help manage a larger scale event that was both driven by the protester and the counter protester alike. And uh, so that started it. And then we've had some experience throughout the year. Our city attorney, Shauna Billingsley did a wonderful job in researching all the case law around what, what you can and can't do. And we really see it as an, an effort that facilitates the exercise of First Amendment rights, your right to speak and your right to peaceably assemble. And uh, so that's the way we look at it as a, an avenue to protect it and provide for it and do it in a safe way. And, and it's not a mystery. You don't need to guess what you need to do or not do. You just come to us and, and we collect the information. And as the mayor said, it's never about the message. It's just about providing for uh, safety and, and, and reserving the space, the public space to do it. If it's on private land, of course, that's a different, different topic. And that's up to that private landowner. Right. Now let's talk about a really important uh, uh, event coming up. Uh, October 31st is Halloween. And uh, it's always a, uh, a fun time for, for families and, um, and, and, and for adults uh, as well. But uh, how do you see that uh, going down this year? Are we going to have anything different as a result of uh, the the pandemic and, and, and all that's going on there? Well, our general approach has been for neighborhoods to make those decisions about what they do and, and individuals to make those decisions. I, I don't know that it'll be a lot different. Uh, the one area that does uh, brings a large group of people together is on West Main. Uh, and we will see what those neighbors want to do. Uh, we always, we do provide some additional uh, just safety services in terms of our police providing for uh, controlling that so that there's not any uh, risk for, for pedestrians and vehicle traffic. So we will really let that be driven by what neighborhoods choose to do. Um, uh, that's going to be an individual decision. That's, that's how I, I, I believe we're approaching it. Well, I would add to that that, that there's some uh, real increased risk for exposure to COVID-19. The more people you put together and the more contact uh, that people have. So uh, whatever the neighborhoods choose, I hope they'll also choose to uh, uh, encourage wearing of facial coverings and the, the other things that we do. Duly noted, Mr. Mayor, duly noted. Have I said that this morning? <laughs> you, you said it before we went on the air. I think you've said it a time or two since we've been on the air. So <laughs> in case you... Uh, want to take a message away from this show this morning, uh, wear your mask. <laughs> I think that's it. Let's uh, change the, uh, the, the, the subject matter here just a little bit. And uh, we always like to talk about projects that are going on in the city that are going to change the face of the city that uh, are going to uh, make it more convenient for us to get around, things like that. Uh, there's one that uh, they just declared finished, uh, the Harpeth Square project in downtown Franklin. And uh, very significant uh, project as far as the uh, face of downtown Franklin. Uh, what have we learned from that project? Is, is there anything we would have done differently? Is, uh, are we happy with the way that turned out in general? What, uh, what do you say, Mr. Mayor? Well, I think it's a wonderful project, and I, I've always said about that particular project, it's the start of redevelopment east of the square. If you think about it, most all of our activity occurs west of the square at this time. So the fact of, you know, a hundred plus million dollar uh, reinvestment in downtown is uh, pretty amazing, and the fact that it's uh, pretty much a whole block, uh, you know, those dollars are are gonna come back to us in many forms and fashion, but uh, the commercial businesses that are there, uh, the eateries that are there, the hotel rooms, uh, the fact that we have uh, more people living downtown uh, to keep downtown vibrant and alive. Uh, you know, you've seen some additional development with the, uh, uh, on the Dotson, old Dotson's property. Right. Uh, so. I think this is uh, great news. You know, we helped some with that as far as some uh, infrastructure help. Uh, 
uh, and some streetscape elements. Uh, but basically that's private dollar investment uh, in downtown versus things that we're doing like uh, streets and roads and sewer plants and so on and so forth. That uh, is certainly a, a large change in a uh, beautiful facility. And uh, just curious to see if there was anything we would do differently. The, uh, now, Eric, the, uh, moving on up the road, Franklin Road is uh, changing as we speak. And give us a progress report and uh, what we should expect going on on Franklin Road. Yeah, we're, we're excited to see that happen. It, it goes from the bridge all the way up just past uh, the factory in Harlansdale. And it will put sidewalks on both sides. It'll make it a continuous three-lane road with um, the streetscape elements in it as well. We're also upgrading pretty much all the infrastructure along the way in terms of water, sewer, storm sewer, uh, electric utilities, gas lines, all of that's being up, updated and upgraded. Uh, and we're excited about it. Uh, we also are doing something a little different with this project. The board has given uh, the city administrator, given me some authority to incentivize the, uh, com the timely completion of the project. So mm -hmm. roughly if they get that done in 18 months, they can get a, 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 an additional financial bonus. Uh, and civil constructors is the, was the successful low bidder. And uh, they're pretty serious about trying to get that. That is something that we have identified with some of our projects that, um, boy, if we can get them moved along, that time is money for us too, in terms of the disruption to the community, the, the impact on local business and residents. And so we, we uh, sort of came up with a new idea of getting that authority on a a large project and the board granted it and uh, we'll see if they deliver. We know they're pretty serious about it, but that will be uh, an important project to bring that connection connectivity uh, from downtown out to the park, out to, um, out to the factory, also connects into the network that goes out uh, towards Cool Springs down Liberty and all that. So we are making great progress in, in not only improving our roads, but also improving trail and sidewalk connectivity so that people can walk and bike and, and get to places as well as uh, improve the, the traffic flow. Yeah, one of the big disappointments of my tenure as mayor is whenever they did a uh, uh, inventory on walkability and we didn't score very well. And, uh, you know, the board has stepped up and uh, made a significant investment in sidewalk gaps uh, trails and connectivity. And I think this is such a great example of an area of important connectivity up Franklin Road, because that was a very uh, unsafe situation, uh, just because there are no sidewalks and there were people that were going from downtown out to the factory area. So uh, this is important safety improvement. And also, uh, this is going to be something that continues to help us be more connected. And while I'm talking about that, we have actually uh, approved the bid for a 96 West sidewalk from Freedom, Freedom Middle School all the way into downtown. Uh, and we worked with TDOT on a, a couple of grants. Uh, so again, that's gonna create a significant uh, connection uh, to another part of our city. Uh, there was some uh, discussion, I know, about that project uh, around the, the ladies with the, uh, the, I'm not thinking of the word, market there. How did that uh, turn out? What, what are we going to see there? Yeah, we've actually been working with them and our, our city team has stepped up and helped too. We've kind of reconfigured the site there uh, so that the trail can come through. And uh, our, our streets team actually built a um, kind of a, a pavilion type area for them to, to store uh, material and to better use some of their site. So there'll be kind of a little circular drive in there where there's some can be some park, a little bit of parking and pickup of materials and uh, then still allow the trail to go through. And uh, we'll be upgrading the, the building that's there. We're working with them on that as well. So the 
the the board granted a little bit of uh, uh, funding to help with that about fifty thousand dollars authority they gave to, uh, to to staff to work with different solutions we're well within those numbers but to help uh, accommodate that business but also make sure the trail can go through in, a, in the way that that will serve and work well so I think it's I think it's going to be a great solution and we see part of it in place now uh, after the the busy season uh, later this fall we'll see uh, the second part of that start to, to, to go in place too. Well, I know that a lot of the citizens of Franklin wanted to see that business uh, pr protected uh, I know my wife visits there quite regularly. So. Me too. I drive by it every day on the way home too. So uh, I think we've come up with a good solution. Speaking of sidewalks, uh, what about Lewisburg Pike? Uh, what are we going to see out, out my way? Well, we're, we're uh, doing some design work to take that, to take the sidewalk, actually ultimately all the way to Mac Hatcher. Uh, what we have uh, looked at at this point is a sidewalk connection where it stops uh, uh, to, to pass the, the railroad tracks as a first segment. And then we're, but we're gonna go ahead and, and, and do design work to take it all the way down uh, to connect to the Mac Hatcher uh, components. So um, that will be a future funding opportunity too, but we'll, we'll do that first segment. Uh, I, I don't have a timing on that quite yet because we're still finishing up some of the design work. Keep me posted on that. Uh, <laughs> My, I'd love to be able to ride my bicycle to downtown Franklin. <laughs> well, we love to make those connections and, and connect to the Eastern Flank Park and all of those elements. So that is that is uh, in the works. Let's talk about Mac Hatcher. Uh, lots going on out there on the northwest section. Uh, when's it going to be open? What uh, What's going to happen there? <clears throat> Well, I think we expect about a year from now. Um, per contract, I think it's November of 2021. Uh, we're actually hearing they're, they're a little bit ahead of schedule. So we're hopeful, let's just say next fall, that that should be completed. And that'll include uh, two lanes of traffic and a multi-use trail. Um, and we'll connect from over by West Haven all the way up to Hillsborough Road. And it'll be a, a great uh, improvement in terms of helping uh, get people from where they, they live to where they work and shop and, and, and those elements, especially into Cool Springs as you continue on Mac Hatcher. So that's an exciting improvement. And uh, it's been a partnership. The city put a significant investment in it. Uh, Southern Land helped us fund. Ultimately, we directed uh, dollars they put in to help fund that multi-use trail. And of course, uh, it's a huge state investment. Um, it's about a, a $40 million plus investment. So uh, we are, we'll be thrilled to have that open. That has been the number one capital project priority since well before I got here. It's the, probably the first project I heard about when I walked through the door. Maybe the mayor, mayor can put that on the, the list of legacy uh, items uh, in his tenure then, and as well as you, Eric. Well, and speaking of legacy, the, the bridge there will be named after the late Charles Sargent. So that's a nice touch as well. Charles was a key component in getting that project going and uh, did a lot of great work in the community and at the state level. That, uh, I would urge your listeners to uh, drive out Del Rio Pike and out 96 West and just kind of see what the uh, uh, what's evolving. I mean, it's it's going to be wonderful. You know, the intersections are uh, are going to be magnificent. You can see the half mile long bridge crossing the Harpeth River multiple times. It's it's going to be quite the feat, and I think it'll be a very popular walking area. Uh, you you think about walking from Hillsborough Road to uh, uh, 96 West. I mean, to do that today would be a real struggle, but when this is finished, it's it's going to be a long walk, but it's going to be such an opportunity and it's going to have some great visuals. Well, Del Rio has always been one of the most scenic uh, drives uh, in our county, and uh, uh, but it hasn't been one of the most safe drives or, or uh, especially a walk uh, or bike. Uh, this will connect a lot of those areas to, uh, to our better infrastructure. The, uh, I understand uh, Brownland Farms is being discussed. 
I guess some of us always thought it was going to be a horse facility, uh, but it looks like that's changing, and, and that's precipitating a discussion about uh, a small area plan out that way. Uh, tell us what's happening there, what, uh, what you see happening in the future uh, around that. I think you're referring to uh, Brownland Farm. Uh, somebody has offered to buy it and uh, develop uh, housing in that area. Uh, but if you think as far as the way the crow flies, the next thing is we're, we're talking about a lot of that rural property between 96 West and Hillsborough. And so the board uh, the other night uh, 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 deferred uh, any vote uh, on this until the October 27th meeting so that we could uh, look into uh, developing a small area plan that affects all those properties. And when I say small area plan, what, what I'm talking about is the road network, number one. Uh, you know, we have to get the road network on the map, otherwise it's not eligible for any reimbursement in our major thoroughfare plan, but also a significant infrastructure like uh, sewer. How do, how do you serve that area? And also just how much density uh, are we gonna allow there? And I think that's one of the reason we've heard uh, some concerns from citizens is uh, uh, they're um, worried about the amount of density and the traffic uh, and also the impact on our schools and so on and so forth. So uh, we'll see how that continues to move forward, but it's kind of a, a tricky area but, uh, to work because you have property owner rights as far as their ability to sell their property uh, and have it developed. Uh, and then you have uh, the uh, uh, concerns of the citizens and how that affects their way of life. So I think the board does a good job in uh, uh, navigating uh, these areas and showing concern and trying to make sure that uh, uh, that we're fair to all parties concerned. And I would just add one of the secrets to Franklin's success has been good land use planning over time. That is what has brought us where we are. And we wanna do that in this area as well. We just talked about Mac Hatcher, that's gonna change the dynamic of some of this area, that connection. Uh, but we, as we started to hear some interest in annexation into the city in that area, we also heard, hey, we want to make sure we're, we're protecting some of the, the, the rural character of the area as well. And so that's what the, the plan provides for us. We have Envision Franklin, which is our land use plan, which, which really has sort of a conservation approach to both where Brownland is and further out west along, uh, along 96 West, which would also be included in this area. So what the, I, I think what a, a small area plan will do is really build on that, be probably consistent with Envision Franklin, but refine it more, give more detail and help create a broader kind of master view of what that area can be and give property owners, the general public and, and our elected leaders the chance to have a dialogue about it and say, well, what do we want it to be? What will work best for the community and everybody involved? And so that's, that's what it's designed to do. So are we or aren't we gonna put a road across Gentry Farm? Uh, there actually never was a plan to put too much of that, but we have come up with a modification. There was a line on a map to have a connection, uh, and we have an alternative that totally avoids Gentry Farms. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there was some misinformation out there about, I think people thought that we, that there was going to be massive development of Gentry Farm and that, that has not been proposed. And, and, uh, I don't think that's coming at all. What we want to provide is a framework that helps preserve the character and where we have to put an infrastructure that we do it in a way that's sensitive to the environment that we want to protect. So that's why you do this kind of long-term thinking and we don't want to piecemeal it. We want to have a, a broader vision and that'll help us protect things like, uh, like uh, Gentry Farms and, and, and some of the other century farms that are out there. Dave, we should wash your mouth out with soap for just even <laughs> saying that. <laughs> The board's been pretty uh, uh, vocal about uh, no road goes through Gentry Farm. And uh, so I think Eric makes a great point that we're looking how we can uh, use alternative routes uh, that protect uh, the property and the uh, 
the environment and so on and so forth out in that direction. Just got to stir things up occasionally, Mr. Mayor. Yeah. It wouldn't be a session with Dave if he didn't throw something like that out. It wouldn't be fun if we didn't have have something like that come up. So let's jump to the other side of town, though. Cool Springs, uh, speaking of impact on the city of Franklin, Cool Springs has certainly been the uh, big story for the last couple of uh, decades. Uh, any changes that we're seeing there, we don't have time to go over every development out there, but uh, overall, is the uh, do we expect to see the hotel or office building uh, construction slow down? What, what are we hearing, seeing, and uh, expecting there? Well, actually, uh, development and permitting continues to be really pretty vigorous. And uh, we continue to see uh, projects come forward for redevelopment. You see a lot of construction going on over in that area. So I think it's a very healthy area. You bring up the hotels, though, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're, they're struggling because a year ago they were 75 plus percent occupied and now they're 40 percent range. So that's significant impact on them. And um, like I say, we need to continue to make sure that we show that we are a safe environment for people to visit. Uh, we need to continue to encourage people to uh, shop at the mall and all of our small businesses. Uh, so yeah, Cool Springs is alive and well. I think part of what you'll see Cool Springs going forward is, and, and we see it on some projects that have come through recently, is you'll see some redevelopment of areas like the, the Primus site. There's a called Eastworks development, which will convert some of the parking into development area and make it more of a mixed use of uh, live, work, retail, and, and, and other commercial space. And so that actually, I, I think will be, if you project forward in the next 10 to 20 years, I think you're gonna see more of that. The land is so valuable that it can't, it, it doesn't maybe make sense for it to stay a parking lot. Plus people wanna see and experience more mixed use together. And that actually can help with some of the traffic concerns uh, and, and provides more variety of, of options in an area too, which, which can, can help in terms of uh, changes in the economy or things like we were experiencing now, if you've got more diversity, uh, a lot of times you'll, you'll come out better. So that's, I think that's what you'll see going forward. Right. Uh, moving east uh, on McEwen Drive, uh, that project, uh, I understand, is moving forward to uh, connect the, I guess, four lane areas of McEwen over to Wilson Pike. Uh, what is our time frame there? And, and beyond that, what do you see um, as far as McEwen Drive continuing on east from there and, and when might that happen? Yeah, so we've got that, we call it McEwen 4. It's the extension from the Cool Springs roundabout all the way out to Wilson Pike. And it, uh, um, it will make that four lane like you see in the segment uh, going west. Um, and that, uh, that's probably about a year away from bid. It'll bid next, next summer. Uh, we're, we have approved plans and we're doing right away acquisition now. Uh, it will be a complicated project. You've got a lot to work with in terms of the roadway and the other, other topography out there. Um, and then we've got an agreement with the city of Brentwood uh, to do the segment east of Wilson um, and, and share in the cost of that part. And that, that will, that will, kind of uh, tag on to when uh, th this next section of McEwen is completed, I would expect we would pretty much go right into that next phase and, and Brentwood and Franklin are funding that uh, jointly. So, um, you know, McEwen is an important road. It is really the primary east-west connector across the county in a lot of ways. It's turned in, it is turned into that and will we'll continue to be that. And a lot of folks who come to work at Nissan or Mars that may live uh, further east, that's gonna be a main way for them to connect in and get to work. So uh, that's an important roadway. And uh, we were very fortunate. We've got about, I think about 18, $19 million of federal dollars that have helped us go into to the McEwen project. And the, the downside to that is it takes a little longer because we have to go through some federal hoops in terms of, 
approval and other elements. But uh, when we can bring that kind of money to the table, um, that helps us move local dollars to fund another project else, other projects elsewhere in the community. Now, I think one point I might make about that is uh, that we have a financial plan how we're funding projects. We look long-term how we can keep those projects moving and where our uh, revenue source is going to come from to fund those projects. And uh, like Eric said, you know, we're getting significant federal dollars on that. Uh, but, but we've got a game plan for a lot of these projects we're talking about. Now, Williamson County does not have an airport. So a lot of the Franklin people that do uh, have airplanes and that sort of thing uh, either have to go to Lewisburg or to Smyrna. Is there any chance long-term that McEwen will ever connect with Sam Ridley Parkway and be able to get our folks that come over here from uh, Rutherford County uh, through that area uh, a little more efficiently? I know there are, are there have been some regional plannings on road alignment and how that could work. Um, that obviously would be outside of our our jurisdiction, but I know there is planning work that has gone on with that, and our our staff team has worked with uh, Brentwood and Smyrna and other folks that have worked on that um, those connections. So I think that's been part of um, a longer term plan, and probably would be regionally regionally funded. Um, it, it, that's really probably a T dot uh, driver as well. Uh, and I have no idea of the answer to this question, and that's always dangerous when you ask a question you, you don't even know the answer to. But uh, any, what would be the chances of having the state take on a road like that uh, and take on a new uh, highway, state highway, in, in a situation like that that needs to maybe need some uh, assistance from the state level? Yeah, I, you know, and there have been some state dollars that went into the McEwen uh, 3 component, the component that's there now, that really related more to the economic development piece and the Nissan development, honestly. So that's how it was justified. Um, I, I can't tell you exactly that there is a process for that designation and how something becomes a state route. Uh, I think it deals with how it, uh, the, the role it plays. And there's, I'm sure, lots of engineering standards that play into that in terms of the capacity and the connection to multiple uh, communities and the regional benefit. Um, but uh, that would be a that would be a, a pretty big undertaking. Uh, we still try to get them as a partner wherever we can, and especially when we see those regional connections. And uh, we work, and the mayor's a leader with the Metropolitan Planning Organization, and how um, some dollars flow through that to help do especially these types of projects that have regional impact. Yeah, our time's getting getting short, so I've got two or three other areas I want to hit real quickly, but uh, the 96 East area, of course, the state is getting uh, proceeding to uh, four or five lane that all the way to Murfreesboro, as I understand. What about the sewer situation out that way? What, the, what will the development uh, process be on out 96 West at this point? Mr. Mayor, yeah, it, let you jump in there and talk about the fund projects. Well, we actually have explored that quite a bit. Uh, that particular basin is a very expensive basin to serve, and uh, the uh, landowners out in that area that wanted to develop uh, looked at it, and we looked at it very carefully trying to figure out the economics of it, and uh, it just didn't work at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so someday it'll work, but right now it's just too expensive to get sewer to that and uh, to pass those costs along as far as land development, uh, the, the dollar value was just too great. Understood. What about uh, Southeast Park? Eric, I know you're, uh, you've worked on that a lot. Uh, tell us what that is, first of all, for those of us that don't specifically know all the details there. So if you go along Carruthers Road, um, uh, there's the area, undeveloped area between uh, Carruthers and, and uh, I-65. And so down around uh, north of Ladd Park, uh, River's Edge development is down there, that area. And, and the city many, many years ago purchased uh, that 
that a big chunk of property there for the development of a future wastewater treatment plant. Uh, and, and we started re-examining that. Uh, there will be a, a plant there at some point in the future, but there's also lots of other land that can be used as a park. So we reimagined how that could be a park area. Plus we were able to add the Robinson Lake parcel, which is adjoining it. So this will be really a, a great complex. It will be, if we added Pinkerton Park and Jim Warren and put them together, that's kind of what the Southeast Park would be like. You have a southern portion that is going to be more recreational athletic fields and then you've got around the lake which will be more of a passive area where you can just walk and enjoy and and uh and and have a recreational experience there we are ready to bid and we'll bid this fall uh the the first segment of that which would be really an infrastructure piece we've got to build a bridge across the Harpeth to get to most of that land. And so uh, we'll be bidding that component and we have to relocate a large sewer line. So that work will get bid this fall and that'll set the, the framework for developing the park. The other really exciting element of this park will be not only all the great athletic fields, but will be our first fully inclusive playground. And so that, that will be a great effort to bring all those services to uh, children and adults of all abilities to provide some additional recreation experience that we don't really have in the community now. So uh, it's really an exciting project. Uh, we don't have the park with an official name yet. We're working on that. Uh, we might have a name for the inclusive playground. Stay tuned on that. Uh, but there's some exciting uh, developments happening with that. And we're, we're, it's great to see that move forward. Uh, Mr. Mayor, circle back to uh, downtown Franklin and the O'More property. Uh, some, we've seen some changes there over the past couple of years. Uh, I understand there's discussions going on as to what, uh, how that property might evolve over the next few years. Give us an update there, if you will. Well, we were excited that the Heritage Foundation was able to purchase that property from Belmont University. And if you look at the significance, that's a huge chunk of land right in downtown Franklin with uh, two historic uh, homes on it. Uh, right now, they're working with our staff as far as what that plan is going to look like for that property. Uh, I know they're working to bring a Rosenwald school uh, to that property also. Uh, I've heard it described as a mini Cheekwood uh, I know that there are plans for a, a significant meeting space there. Uh, so we continue to see that come forward and uh, what an important piece of property. Uh, we're not gonna see a bunch of houses on it. We're gonna see it maintained as a historic property with two historic homes. You know, there's gonna be an entrepreneur center there that the chamber is going to uh, run. And I think it's the rainy house. I think that's the, name and then of course the Abbey Lee Mansion uh, will be, uh, they have a lot, some vision for it possibly as an art gallery. So just wonderful vision that they have and they continue to work with the city to see what what the, the opportunities are and how, how uh, it can evolve. Well, as long as it doesn't require another traffic flight. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be very sensitive to you coming in in the morning we'll just clear the roads out for you dave just don't put any more traffic lights between me and my home and my office that's uh, my personal request there but uh, this has been fun I, i'm sure we missed some things that we could have talked about uh, any any big things well We've got a minute left. We don't have time to talk. Let, about let me interject something very quickly. This is a very stressful time for everybody. We don't have those personal relationships, backslapping, hugging opportunities with our folks. And we're seeing an uptick in domestic violence. We're seeing an uptick as far as suicide. Uh, so uh, there are two things I want to quickly say. Find Hope Franklin. Go to that website if you're having some uh, emotional mental health crisis issues. You can find the resources there. Uh, and secondly, my goal in the next few years is to get everybody trained in QPR. Everybody knows how to do CPR, but QPR is question, persuade, refer, recognize the signs of a suicide and how to help people and know what to do.
just uh, thank you for that. Uh, so impactful to a family when when that uh, escapes us and we, and we miss someone that uh, needs that help. Uh, so let's uh, thank you so much for being with us, Mr. Mayor. Eric, uh, thanks to our uh, sponsors that help uh, make this financially possible, AT&T and Vanderbilt, Creed Henderson and the WCTV team, Tom Lawrence and the WAKM, and then as always, the chamber staff led by Matt Largen and helped by Ken, Kel McDowell, Nancy Conway, Griffin, Wilcox, just a great team. Appreciate uh, our listeners. Thank you, and I uh, hope you'll be back uh, the final Friday of October. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.